Thank you. Thank you, Jay and Caitlin and Trinity. Teenagers. Was not expecting that. Man, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being our family. And uh, that's not going to change. We're going to need you more and more and more in so many different ways. And I'm glad that we get to be sent out by you. Uh, this is something that God is doing in you, uh, in our hearts and in our lives. So I'm thankful that we get to bring you along this journey. Um, if you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, you can follow that journey. Micah Griffith at YouTube. No. Um, but would love to um, just say a huge thank you. Hopefully you can come um, next week. I'm coming because there's food, so you should come too. Um, but I, we're very, very grateful. I'm so thankful for Emily, uh, her patience. And, um, man, God has truly blessed me with a, a wonderful wonderful woman. I, when God put this on her heart, when I talked to her, she said, oh yeah, God already told us we're doing that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's incredible. Um, but these years have been the best years. And um, I told Emily several times, we're going to look back on this time and say, I can't believe we got to, we got to live here. Can't believe we got to be here. It's so so good. It's so good. God has grown us. God has taught us, and he continues to do so, and um, he is so incredibly f faithful, and um, so thank you. Thank you for being our church family. We love you. We love you. We love you, and that's not going to stop, so okay. Let's get into why we're here. Let's feast on the word. Um, before that, real quick, just want to give you a quick um, review of what's going on as we Head out to across the pond, heading to Poland. Um, I'd love to throw this number in front of you once again. 0.3% uh, of Poland um, accept Jesus alone for salvation. So the need is incredibly great. There's a bigger evangelical presence in Saudi Arabia than there is in Poland. Um, so lots of prayer. Um, we're thankful that God's made this call really clear to us. Um, speaking of calls, we got to call Pastor Maxim the other day on a Zoom call. That was really awesome to be able to meet him, to talk with him, to hear his heart, to, see, to hear his story. Um, one thing that he shared with us is as Russia is putting a lot of pressure on the Ukraine right now, as war is impending in a lot of ways, there's an estimate, there's already 2.5 million Ukrainians in Poland, um, but there's an estimate of 2 more million Ukrainian refugees that are um, are projected to flee into Poland. So the need is great. And we didn't know this before we said yes. It's interesting how we see the, the, uh, the chessboard of the world moving, and God is moving pieces as well. So uh, Pastor Maxim said that the, the need is just, it's just so great. The need is great. And the mission field is wide wide open. There in Gdansk, there is uh, Maxim and Oksana and their two daughters. Um, just from one refugee after another, they've built this small church of 40 or 50 people, and they've asked us to come and help establish this church. Also, from like Stanley, sorry, from Lure here to Front Royal in Gdynia, there is uh, another man, his name is Ilya, and um, Viola and their family, they said, hey, it's the same thing happening here. Would you come help us and plant our churches? Would you help us establish our churches? Would you train us? Would you equip us? Uh, we need you. We're desperate. Would you come? And 
um, how, could we, how could we not say yes to that? And we're so thankful how God has made that, that really clear in a lot of ways. It's hard. I'm not crying. You're crying. Um, but <laughs> so, some next steps is, again, uh, we're, prayer is not completed, but through much prayer, uh, God has brought a buyer for our house. We've got our passports. We're moving on Tuesday. Emily's thrown all my stuff away, so it's much easier. Um, thank you, Emily. An emotional attachment. It's gone. Um, but also, we need more support partners. We'll be up here a few more times, hopefully, to partner with a couple other churches as well. Uh, we need to learn a language. Jean Dobre. I learned how to say, how are you, this morning, but then I completely forgot it. So um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, Jean Dobre means hello or good morning. Hello. Um, oh, and then we have our new missionary orientation in March. We'll head up to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for a week long with ABWE, learning all of the stuff that we need to start learning. And then our six to nine months missionary training uh, will start um, in a couple weeks here. Uh, we purchased some magnets to put on your refrigerator. Hopefully they'll be here next week. Um, so as you eat some food, maybe you can take a magnet with you. So um, as you pray for us. So thank you for going with us. Thank you for sending us. This is something that God is doing through you, and uh, we need you. We're, not, we're, we're going somewhere, but you know what? We're not home yet. We're not home yet. So, something I always start with, as we think about the faith that God has given us, the belief that God has given us, everything that we say, think, and do comes out of what we are putting our hope in, our belief in, and we have two choices. We can put it in what God has revealed to be true, or we can believe a lie. Please choose the, the truth. Please choose salvation and reject the lie, reject destruction. Everything comes down to who is the proclamation of the kingship of your life. Is it Christ, or is it you? And knowing who the king is truly does make all the difference. Um, C.S. A.B.W. Tozer said that the greatest thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about God that truly does define everything your either right or wrong understanding of who Jesus is will determine a lot of your life but I love what C.S. Lewis said he said the most important thing about you is what comes into God's mind when he thinks about you and how freeing is that that we have a loving God we have a good God we have a merciful God that has demonstrated that love to us in so many ways. What an incredible king we have. Christ, our king. That story of who he is. He is the perfect savior, rescuer, King Jesus who came that Christmas morning, who lived a perfect life because of our sin. Because of our sin. Because of our rejection. Because of how many days that we believe the lie that we could find our happiness, belonging and meaning in ourselves and our stuff and our circumstances. When he died on the cross, it was paid in full. We sold ourselves to sin. Jesus, with no obligation at all, just because of who he is, came to rescue us. And he bought us back. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your sins can be forgiven, like we just sang about. You can know that heaven is your home. It doesn't just stop there. He gives you resurrection power to follow after him. When do you become a citizen of heaven? The moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And he gives you that power to follow after him. 
to, that he would be your king, your master, your lord, and he gives you that strength. Now, the, you see on your bulletin there, the title of today's message is, The King is Coming. And I have three things that I want to share with you as I reflect on our time here, as I reflect on, on what God has called us to. Let's pray together one more time. Thank you, God, so much for this church family, my church family. Thank you, Lord, that we have and continue to do battle together. There's a lost world out there, Lord, that needs to see you. It needs to hear you. It needs to experience you. It needs to know about their sin. It needs to know about what kind of Savior you are. What kind of King, Master, Lord you are. God, forgive me how I have missed so many opportunities to, to open up my mouth, to open up my talents in my life. Would you free us again today to see that there's nothing in this world that is greater than you. There's no obligation in this world that's greater than following you and obeying you and making disciples. Would you show us that again as we think about you, our King, coming for us? Thank you for your word. Thank you how clear it is. Would give us the courage to open up this word, to be able to read it, to be able to, again, lavish in all of who you are as you change us day by day. Continue to strengthen us, Lord, as we follow after you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you help us understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I have three points, because good preachers have three points in a poem. I'm joking, but I do have three points. The first one is, I would just like to look at a snapshot of the great day of the Lord. The king is coming, the great day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, Google can be entertaining, and as you think about people who have tried to understand the second coming of Jesus Christ, I found a few strange things. Um, the first one was a book written back in the day where they predicted that Jesus Christ was coming back on this day. And of course, he didn't come back on that day. Um, they just, uh, the, the person that was in, in part of this, this book here projected that Jesus was coming back last year, um, and he didn't. So, I mean, th th there can be some expectation, but also confusion. Um, if you are a 90s slash early 2000s child and you live through Left Behind series, uh, Kirk Cameron did an excellent job of trying to depict on Maybe that's going to look like this. Maybe there's some kind of rapture and impending judgment in this kind of order. Um, I like this one better than the Nicolas Cage version, by the way. Um, I remember when year Y2K, year 2000. Remember, remember when that time was coming out? How much fear of like some kind of weird thing with all the computers messing up and we were going to like lose electricity and everybody was buy, buying a bunch of bottled water. Remember the bottled water? I was just bulking on the bottled water. It wasn't toilet paper. It was water. Um, I remember going out in the front yard and counting down for that New Year's and I was just going to like watch the street lights turn off. And I was disappointed. You know, I was like excited. Like it's coming. The end is here. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. 
Um, I remember seeing this billboard somewhere floating around on the internet. Um, Judgment Day, May 21st, 2011. Um, call in, you know, open forum. So, I mean, when you think about Judgment Day, this is, in a lot of ways, and maybe just maybe really good-hearted people have really tried to crunch some Bible numbers and try to predict when the, when the day is going to be. Having that expectation can, can drive people to maybe do some great things. Of course, that day has gone and passed. And, and, and in the secular world, and I don't endorse any of the movies in the background, by the way, but how many more apocalypse movies are they going to make? It just seems like if there's one like good movie out there, there's like 10 apocalypse movies. The world is going to end by a virus or by zombies or by aliens or by disease or by just, you know, like that 2012 movie where like the world just blows up. Boom. Can we escape? No, we can't. Happy ending. It's over. But I think it's really funny that even those who don't claim Christ as Lord, they still anticipate some kind of world end in the near future. It's kind of like it's in our DNA. It's like we're anticipating something. It's like if Paul could write about us having, you know, like groaning with like, like birth pangs, like we wish that this would come to an end. We, we anticipate it. And with these movies, there's something that you see a lot. There's always some kind of self-sacrificing hero that sacrifices themselves. People who don't claim Christ, but they keep telling his story in so many ways. Some interesting facts about the second coming of Christ. Christ's second coming is mentioned eight times more than his first coming in the Bible. I love Christmas. We need to make a second coming celebration day, maybe. Maybe eight times more than Christmas. That was a terrible idea. Maybe, I don't know. But eight times more than, than Christmas Day, it, over 1,800 references of the second coming of Christ, 17 books in the Old Testament, and 23 books out of the 27 books in the New Testament mention His coming. How many times does the Lord have to tell us before we start taking Him seriously? How many times does the Lord have to tell us before he starts, uh, we start taking him seriously. Um, I'm supposed to do a, a preacher thing, and it's when you um, expose your child and embarrass him for the rest of his life. Um, my son Silas, he loves snow. He's just drawn to it. But that trip from the house to the car, and the trip from the car to the house, I don't want him stepping in the mud and the snow and tracking it in the car. Every single time. We leave the house. He's in the snow. And you would think that one of the hundred times he would remember, I'm going to get fussed at and get in trouble. I shouldn't do that. Every single time I have to remind him, please don't step in the snow as you get in the car because I'm going to track it in. That carpet is permanent. It's hard to clean it up. Please don't do that because that's how patient I am when I say it. That sounded really good in this story. But you know, how, how hard-headed... That's what my dad used to call me. Um, I am. How many times has God told us this incredible news of his second coming? What would change in your life if you took the imminent coming of Jesus seriously? As I look at my life, 
There is still so much that needs to change in taking this wonderful and terrifying reality seriously. It's a big deal. It's the biggest deal. Do we live like it is? What would change in our life right now if we believe that Jesus is coming soon? Jesus is coming today. I'm wrestling with that. Because as we prepare to leave, as we prepare to go, there's so much work to be had. God's word, um, I'm going to start with the bad news first. If you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 2. We'll read one verse. Romans chapter 2. God tells us through Paul, as uh, Paul spends some time talking about God's righteous judgment, he tells us that it's going to be a day of wrath. Now, as I'm looking at all, a lot of the verses about the second coming, it is terrifying. It's scary. Like there was a verse that talked about there's these people that are running away because Jesus is coming and they're crying that the mountains would fall on them and crush them because of how sinful they are as they rejected the king. He's here. It's a day of wrath. And it, it, let me read this to you in Romans 2.5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. One atheist, Penn Gillette, is also a magician. He said, how much do you have to, uh, if you truly believe this day is coming, and you believe there's a, in a, in a, an eternal hell to pay for sin, how much do you have to, to hate somebody to not warn them? To not warn them of the judgment to come and to not give them the truth of everlasting life. That's a really interesting perspective that came from an atheist. And as we sit here today, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus makes it clear that this is going to be a day of joy for those who are in Christ. For those who have repented of their sin, who, those who have accepted what Jesus has done on the cross, those who accept Jesus as their King and Lord, they believe He died on the cross, He came back from the dead. Lord, You are my King, I will follow You. This is a day of joy. I love this passage. Get a little glimpse here. Verse 30 here in Matthew 20, 24. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end to the sky to the other. Wow! Open up the heavens. We, we sang that, right? That's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he's going to take his children. God's going to say to his son, go get them. And he's going to come with angels and a trumpet, and we're going to meet them. It's going to happen. What a day that will be. 
I want to live with this kind of encouragement and anticipation to something that is so true. God's never failed me. He's never broken any of his promises. So how should we live in light of this truth that the king is coming? The king is coming. Two more passages. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's talk about the great expectation for the Lord. How does this change the way that we live today? As Paul is writing to his, his protege, Timothy, he's reflecting back on his life as he's about to depart this world. He says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure from this earth is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Man, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to say that? God, I want to be able to say that. Verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. That day. And not me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's amazing. As we think about the great reward for those who lived a life in great expectation for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to come back, this must permeate every area of our heart and our life. That Jesus Christ is coming. That changes the way that I think. That changes the way that I make decisions. That changes the way that I look at myself. That changes the way that I look at and approach conflict in my life that it changes the way that I drive to my job on Monday morning, that changes the, how much coffee I drink or think that I need, that changes the way... I had a, uh, a moment the other day. It doesn't happen often, and Emily's praying that I have more of these moments in my life. Don't laugh yet. You haven't heard the end of it. Thanks for laughing. So I am um, struggling with getting up early in the morning. Raise your hand if you're a morning person. Ugh, you make me sick. <laughs> I have to train myself to be a morning person. I just love the bed. Dr. Seuss has a book. Um, is it, no, this, is, this is just for fun. But Dr. Seuss has a book that says, uh, it, Today's the day I'm going to sleep. And the whole book is dedicated to this, this boy saying, I'm not getting out of bed today. I'm going to sleep the whole day. And then the whole book is like the mom and everybody like trying to wake him up. And I'm like, that's a great book. Today's the day I'm going to sleep. I could sleep for a whole day. And as I, as I was reflecting on these truths, I got up like a couple minutes before my alarm. Miracles. And this one thought was on my, on my mind. Jesus is the king. He's coming soon. I gotta get up. I got work to do. I gotta meet with God. I gotta prepare my heart for today. There's a real enemy. There's people going to hell today. 
I got I gotta make sure that my heart's ready for the king coming. I gotta get up. I gotta get up. That crown of righteousness, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know, when he comes back, I don't want to be surprised. I'm going to be. It's going to be great, but I don't want to be that shocked, you know? I don't want heaven to be such a, such a huge adjustment because I've made my home here on earth. With lots of experience, I've learned that I, we do what we love. We make time for what we love. We prioritize things around what we love. We fight for what we love. We neglect other things to have more of what we love. We work hard for what we love. We protect for what we love. This moves us, doesn't it? That I love this thing. I believe I've subscribed that this thing is going to give me purpose and meaning and comfort in life. But you know what? We can't find it anywhere else. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, because you haven't found anything on this earth that actually satisfies your heart, the only conclusion is, is that we were made for another world. What do you love the most? If you asked me that question, I probably would say I love me the most. I love my comfort the most. I love my stuff the most. God, work on me. What has the throne of your heart? What a great question to start the day with. That great expectation of the Lord, knowing that the King is coming, should give every Christian a supernatural fuel to work through and get through anything, but then to also be on the offensive and to be able to do what God has called us to do. Turn to Matthew 28. Here's our last passage today. Matthew chapter 28. As we step into this new adventure, it's not really a new adventure, it's the adventure that we're all called to, by the way. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, these are his last words. The King of kings and the Lord of lords speaking to us. And Jesus came to them. And he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me, verse 18, in heaven and in earth. Okay, we, we got to take that seriously. He says, listen, I am the king. I am the authority. Now, that could be good news or, or bad news. It would be bad news if he was an evil king, if he was a selfish king, if he was a maniac king. But he's not. He's the good, sovereign, king, lord, Jesus. And he came the first time as a sacrificial lamb. And he's coming the second time as the lion of Judah. And we're here in the middle stage, and this is what he called us to do. This is our oxygen. This is our purpose. He says, listen, as a reminder, I'm the king. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Spend your days, your moments, your dreams, your planning, your pursuits, your talents, your abilities, your resources to go. Go. Go out there and make disciples 
of all nations. Make disciples. Here's the process of that. What is that? What is a disciple? It's a Jesus follower, right? A faithful Jesus follower, right? Here's the process. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So baptizing them, right? Seeing them come into the fold. Seeing them come to faith in Jesus Christ. Seeing them a part of the the fellowship of God. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So being a part, however you do this, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Making disciples, seeing them come to faith, seeing them come into the body of Christ, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teach them, equip them, fill them with the goodness and the knowledge of God. Show them who Jesus is. Let their life be, in every area of their life, be all about Jesus Christ. To observe all things that I have commanded you. You could look at that word commandment as a, as a heavy word, if you think about your own power. But we don't have any power to follow God's commandments in and of ourselves. If we take a look at this Bible and think, okay, I better work real hard to do this, we're going to fall flat on our face. That's why Christ came back from the dead. And ascended into heaven to give us the Holy Spirit, to give us the power and the ability and the desire to follow after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I love this last part. This impossible task to make disciples of all nations. He says, listen, I'm going with you. You're not doing this by yourself. I am going with you. This it, I'm going with you till when? Till the end of the age. The end of what age? The end of this age. I, it's hard for me to believe because I'm so young and I'm so healthy, not as healthy as I got started, but I'm young and I'm healthy to think that I'm, I'm not really thinking about the end. I'm thinking about me right now. But to be able to look ahead and think of the end of, of the age when Christ comes back. And I love that point. It's a commission. He goes with us and we go together. All nations. All nations. Everything that we say, think and do as we follow Christ must be centered around this. I got to share a little bit with our teenagers and uh, I know sports is a It's a great endeavor to be able to find some skills and community. But what does the Great Commission look like in the talents that God has given you? I think it's so incredible. It's like God knew what he was doing. That in every area of your life where there are people, guess what? You're there in unique circumstances that no missionary will ever talk to. Right? You like hunting? I don't. But you do. And there's people there. Just got to talk quietly. No, but share Jesus with them, right? You're a nurse. You're a farmer. You work in an office. You have a lot of kids. You got one kid. You got grandkids. People all around you, specifically, all the time. 
Maybe you don't like sports, right? Maybe you're more of an artist. Maybe you're a thinker. Maybe you're quiet. God has gifted you with unique abilities and unique talents. I'm so glad that you're not like me. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad I'm not like you. We're all different. And God has specifically placed us where we are today for a specific time as this. You're here today because somebody shared Jesus Christ with you. And I'm thankful for that person who shared Jesus Christ with me. I'm thankful for the many people who encouraged me, who pushed me to follow Jesus. This is your fault, by the way. Thanks for encouraging us to follow Jesus. What an amazing thing for a heart that says, Jesus is my king, to be able to pour that into somebody else. Just one person. Like you think about Moses? Moses is one person, and God did great things through Moses. But how many times did people point Moses to the Lord? Think of Billy Graham. You think of this great evangelist that had these huge crusades and millions and millions and millions of people. Do we know the story of all the people that taught and loved Billy Graham? They said yes to King Jesus. The call is more specific and more important than I think we understand. And we have an enemy. We have an enemy that hates you, that hates Jesus Christ, and will do anything and everything to omit King Jesus out of your life. He will do everything to deceive you and think that your salvation is in your comfort, in your wants, in, in your abilities, in your looks, in your skills. That's where you should find your salvation in this world right here. No. This amazing call that we have that we must pursue after is for this, this scene right here. I just can't get this out of my mind. The book of Revelation as John wrote it, and these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with robes of white with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God he who sits on the throne and to the Lamb we have a peace in all of this think about that last day when King Jesus is in front of us and we all approach the Lamb together. Who's going to be there with us? What can you take to heaven? You can only take one thing to heaven. People. People. I just, it's, it's so hard to accept how much time I've wasted. It's painful to, to even imagine how many times I've said no to this incredible king. But you know what? We have a king of mercy in grace whose mercies are new every morning every morning happy new now not new year but happy new now the king is here so maybe you're here today and you need to pledge your allegiance to this king it's time for you to lay down your sin and say Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me. My sin. You died for my sin. Would you save me, God? Would you be my king? 
I believe in you. Maybe today that's, that's, that's today for you. And for, you, for those who are Christians, you and I, I need a fresh expectation of the king coming. I need a fresh energy, a fresh desire, a clear purpose honed in on this reality that one day, very soon, Christ is coming. I don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. I want to live in light of eternity. I need a fresh Holy Spirit-driven commitment. Lord, use everything in my life for your glory and your honor to be able to make your name proclaimed among all people in my circle and other circles. Lord, do your will in me. So as we close, if, um, if you'd like to come up and pray, if you'd like to talk to Pastor Brian, if you would like to speak to the Lord in your seat, just have a real conversation with him as we reflect on this incredible truth. Ms. Palmer asked me to sing a song for you, and it's Psalm 23. You know that passage very, very well. But there's a line in there that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Remember what the, at the end of the Great Commission? Because I am with you. There's nothing we have to fear. I am with you. Let's let his presence fuel our mission as a church. Let's let the forgiveness and the love and the grace and the mercy be the megaphone that we shout to our nations around us. I'd love to sing this for you before we close.
for your goodness and your mercy that has so graciously followed us all the days of our life. Would you renew us in a fresh way? For those in this room that have yet to accept you as their Lord and Master, I pray, Lord, that you keep leading them on that path to trust you. Help them repent today, Lord, and follow you. For us, Lord, who know you, would you draw us further in, deeper still of who you are. Help our everything that we say, think, and do be fueled by the reality that you are coming soon. And let us be bold in every area of our life, especially as we're around people, to make disciples, seek people come to Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the clarity of our mission. Thank you for the fuel and the ability to do so. You're such a good God, such a good king. Thank you for blessing Emily and I, my family, with such an awesome church family. We move forward.